0: Welcome back to the Lawali Life podcast. I hope you're all doing as well as you can wherever you are in the world, whether you're locked down again or you're able to be out and about. I'm going to be here to keep bringing you some of the most inspiring guests I know to help keep you grounded and centered during this ever-changing time. For those of you that haven't tuned in yet, I'm Anna Law, and I'm your host and founder of Lawali Life, which is my coaching practice I've set up to help Stressed people, anxious people, and there are many out there to become the calmest and greatest versions of themselves. This podcast is based purely around stress and loss and it's a mixture of amazing conversations with incredible leaders in their fields from top CEOs, neuroscientists, entrepreneurs, authors, spiritual thought leaders and more, guiding you through the greatest stresses and losses they've had to overcome and most importantly how they came back from them so that we can get you back through yours. Today I am joined by Her Excellency Dr. Sara Almadani. Sara is an incredible woman. She's a serial entrepreneur and many things in business with multiple businesses and a social media personality, a board member of the UAE Ministry of Economy's SME Council and the Saha Chamber of Commerce and Industry. But above all those incredible accomplishments, she is truly a woman who has an incredible voice and sense of spirituality, a sense of wisdom, and is very inspiring to talk to. We talked all about how Her strong sense of spirituality has affected how she does business successfully and how we all need to be our own inspiration so that that inspiration can never leave us. So I really hope you enjoy listening to Sarah's incredible insights as much as I did when I was talking to her. much for joining us. Today we have Her Excellency Dr. Sarah Almadani. It's so wonderful to have you here, Sarah. I mean, you are a serial entrepreneur in tech, fashion, all sorts, brand ambassador, a member of the board of the UAE Ministry of Economy's SME Council and the Sharjah Chamber of Commerce and Industry. So, I mean, it's such, a, such an honor to have you and also just so excited for this conversation.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I've heard a lot about you and I love what you stand for and I can't wait until we get into discussion so we can exchange, you know, our beliefs and, you know, all the things that um, the world might not look at seriously, but we know are serious.
0: Yeah, exactly. No, it's so exciting. Thank you so much. So, I mean, for starters, you're someone who started your entrepreneurial journey at the age of 15, which is super young. And you've done so much since then in such a, essentially a short space of time. What, what, how did that, how did that journey unfold for you? How did you start to be someone who has so many companies? Because some people, I mean, can only have the capacity for one in their mind and you have just so many amazing things you do. How do you, how did that journey start for you?
1: So when, basically just to like explain to you, when I was young, like in the age of uh, uh, four till 10, um, I don't remember much, but my father told me that I used to always um, do the weirdest things that are not related to my age. He said, um, you would buy candy and recruit your older cousins to resell it for you and you would give them commission. Um, (laughs) Yeah, he said, you used to massage us for money um, just to get what you want, because every time you wanted something, we told you no, you have to get good grades, you have to work hard and uh, to, to like get them. And then I would always ask my dad when I was young, why do I have to work hard to prove to you that I'm worth it? What if I knew I'm worth it? Like I was a kid, like I don't know what the hell I was thinking. <laughs> so my dad, my dad kind of felt that um, I, I stood out between my siblings and as a child. And he knew that there was something special about me. And um, I think it's this entrepreneurial spirit. Everyone can be an entrepreneur, but the spirit of entrepreneurship is something that you're born with. So he he's like, I knew you were special, and I knew you were going to give me a headache and you are a troublemaker. So when I was 15, I told my parents, okay, look, I am going to be financially independent from this day onward. And imagine your daughter is a 15-year-old telling you this. My parents just you know, cracked up. My dad was laughing. He's like, oh, you know, let her go. She'll be back soon, he told my mom. But I've never been back ever since. So I told them I want to be financially independent and I want to open a company. They were like, fine, do whatever you want to do. And they, and I, I heard them like whisper. Sometimes when I'm upstairs, I hear them whisper downstairs. They did not believe in the journey because I was young. So they were like, oh, she'll come back. She'll need some money. She wants to go shopping. She wants that. She'll come back. But I never did, and um, what I did in the meantime was I saved up my, uh, basically my lunch money, I saved up my allowance, I started selling electronics uh, amongst people who live close to our house, friends, family, I started um, reselling objects, and I even modeled for a while without telling my parents, because as an Emirati woman, um, it's kind of against our culture, our culture to do it, and especially at this age, you know? So I modeled for a while behind my parents' back. Um, I also did, um, you know, these girls that do promotions in the malls where they give out products for free for trial. I've done that and I'm so proud, you know, and I'm not ashamed of my journey. There's no shame in the game. So I remember one day my mom's friend caught me and she took a picture of me and she sent it to my mom and my mom was like, uh, who's that? What is this girl doing? I was like, that wasn't me. Until this day, I'm like, it's not me. She's like, I know you, I gave birth to you, I know you. I was like, <laughs> so, yeah, I had a small amount of money, which was like 20,000 dirhams. It's nothing nowadays, but back then it was a lot of money. We are talking about 2000, um, 2002, 2002, 2001. So I took that money. Um, there was a guy who was trying to get rid of his company, his uh, fashion store, and he had a couple of employees, three. The machines were there and all that. He said, if you give me 15,000 dirhams, I will give you the whole store with the staff. I'll transfer everything to your name. And um, even the rent is paid for a year. And I had to deal with him. I did it and I started there. And ever since, I've been growing and evolving as a person. Um, yeah, and it's, it's just been a blessing. And I don't think that whatever I learned from this experience, any book can teach so it's, it's, a, it's a difference between being book smart and street smart, you know. I can survive any circumstance. And um, that's what, what this game taught me, basically.
0: Yeah, God, it's just amazing. Because, I mean, how many companies do you have today? I mean, it's...
1: Right now, seven.
0: <laughs> Which is incredible.
1: <laughs> seven, seven, and I'm starting number eight. Uh, I started number eight recently, like uh, a month ago.
0: Oh, it's so, so exciting. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to get into that more as well. But to start with, I'd love to ask, you know, for everything you've been through, even the companies you've created in your own life, personal experiences, what's the greatest stress or loss you've personally had to overcome?
1: Um, to be honest, uh, if you're in the business, even if you're an employee, the stress is there every day. Every day, there's a new stress. Every day, there's a challenge. Uh, every day, there's a hassle that happens. Um, Definitely um, one of the biggest stresses I had when I was young was being a woman at this age trying to do a business. Like they don't even issue license for kids in that age. You know what I mean? So um, being a woman was kind of hard at the beginning. But um, in the end, I always believe and say, if being a woman is a problem internally for you, you will look at every obstacle related to you being a female as a wall. If you don't see that as a problem internally, it will be a bump in the road. You'll just get over it. So for me, every time I was hit with a situation where um, people were telling me, you, know, you can't do this because you're a woman or something like that, it never resonated. I didn't even understand what they were talking about. You know, I just passed over it like a bump in the road and it was just not a problem, not an issue for me but i did face a couple of, of incidents uh, in that field um, definitely also starting business young i did not know how to do the uh, how to do the things uh, in in from a legal perspective in terms of saving my rights so i did lose a lot of money i was bankrupt in 2013 completely zero everything i ever made was gone uh, and it was uh, my fault because I did not manage my finances properly, although it was taken away from me from, by somebody, but I'm not gonna blame people because my blame will not change the situation or even uplift their souls or change them. I should focus on how I contributed to this and that's how you grow from failure. Uh, you stop playing the blame game and you start looking for where you went wrong. So failure either beats you or teach you basically and I decided not to be beaten and I decided to learn. And I looked at everything I did wrong. My contracts were not in place because you know how uh, women are, you know, when when they like each other, I like you, you like me, we're friends, we don't need a contract. (laughs) No, I learned the hard way. So yeah, so and I learned that, you know, paying for lawyers to do that is expensive, but it saves you on the long run. So that was the first mistake. The second mistake is I'm dyslexic. So I didn't, I couldn't pay attention to numbers. And I used my issue as an excuse to be lazy towards it. Although being dyslexic can make you focus on numbers in a different way because I have a dyslexia and dyscalculia, so I can't do numbers and reading easily. So instead of looking at it as a weakness uh, in me, I look at it as a strength right now and I challenge myself and I look at the numbers and I follow up with everything. So I picked up from where I went wrong. So to me, it's, it's like failure is a missing ingredient, basically. I pick up the ingredient, I start cooking all over again. And that's what I did. But um, till this day, every day, every minute, there is an issue, there is a problem, there is a hardship that you go through, but it's all a mindset. How do you want to look at this? You want to look at this as something that will stop you, or you want to look at this as a challenge that will uh, burn your fuel and your fire in you to try harder to do it better and try to find ways to get over it.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I, I so, so believe that. I think everyone listening can definitely relate to that but it's just a detour in the right direction of failure instead of a a roadblock but for you for example being a woman you said in you know the UAE and doing a business at such a young age I mean it's such a huge huge task that you just you know swanned over it's amazing so I've read somewhere that you said um you don't believe in female empowerment, but in an inspiration, and I really loved that because I really agreed with your statement in that article I read about saying that females are not weak, we don't need empowering, um, but inspiring is something that everyone needs really. So how do you define sort of the difference between the female empowerment that you see actually almost weakens women and the inspiration that people need instead?
1: You know, this, um, this statement I put out got me in so much trouble and got me <laughs> in so many good places. Because people felt like I was strong, therefore I was implementing every woman should be strong. But that's not what I meant. I'll explain to you like what I mean when I say empowerment and inspiration. I've never in my life ever, ever have seen a group of men holding hands saying empower me or going (laughs) to places, going to places and you know saying what we know, men empowerment. If they are so entitled and they know they can do it, it's because they know they can. Women are not doing things because they don't know they can. Show a woman she can and she will, inspire her. And I, I, to be honest, I've done so much uh, studies and I was on the board of so many uh, business women councils. And there was one problem that always kept reoccurring. And they were all wondering why. They said every time we empowered women and we gave them the tools and we gave them the money and we gave them everything, every time they failed, they came and asked for more. Why are they asking for more? And I was like, it's simple, because when you give and hand a person everything, you slowly kill something in them and they become dependent on you. Teach them how to do it. Don't give them fish, teach them how to fish, they'll be full forever. And this is the mistake. We should not feel like women um, need to be handed the tools and their hand and the money and everything and and, and the directions and tell them, there's everything, make it happen. No, tell a woman she can, show her she can, inspire her and she will. And I always say that the most dangerous thing on earth is an inspired woman. Seriously. The most dangerous thing is a woman in love. Have you seen what women do when they're in love? <laughs> if they take that passion and apply it to every single thing they do in their life, oh my goodness, they, like men should be scared. Because they don't know they can. It, the history did not show us that women can recently. Um, I also want to highlight another thing when it comes to this. A lot of women blame men. Men are the reason, um, women are not dominant. Men are the reason, it's a male's world. Men are the reason, this, men, men, men. And I once stood on a stage in front of 5,000 people and I said, I don't blame men, I blame women. And the reason why I blame women is because every time I sit somewhere with a woman and her daughter, all I hear is, Girl, when you grow up, you're going to find a rich husband. He's going to take care of you. You wouldn't have to work anymore. He will do everything for you. He will, he will, he will, he will. The preparation for a child at that age is dangerous. What you're telling the kid is when you grow up, you're useless. You don't have to do anything. What you have to do is depend on somebody, just like you're depending right now on your family. And you slowly break away something psychologically in that person and tell them that, you know what? You don't have to accomplish it's a man's world. Men are going to do it for you. Men are the providers. Men are all that. So women have a big, big hand in making this world a man's world. A big, big hand. And I always say, no school can fix this. No education system can fix this. It's at home. It starts at home. If it's, um, if, if, you know, I'll give you the simplest example. I was looking at my kids' books from school. And I was looking at some of the stories. He's in KG1. So he's like a kid in kindergarten. And I opened the pages and I'm looking at the stories. Uh, Fatima is cooking. Um, Ahmed is helping his dad fix the car. Uh, Fatima is stitching with her mom. Ahmed is outside helping his dad cut the trees. What, you know, there is no gender equality. What you're doing is limitation to the gender by showing them that men should do masculine things and females should do feminine things. And that's the right thing to do. And the child, is a sponge when he's young, their brains are a sponge, and they grow up believing that. And once they're old, when you try to change that in them, it's so hard because it's been implanted in them like a seed and it's too late, the tree has grown in them. So I really blame both genders, men for not making it easier for women and trying to pick it up, and for women to make it more male dominant because that's what they taught their daughters and and girls. So I hate the word empowerment. I don't want to empower women. I don't exist to empower women. I know that I've been. I even like I have a PhD, an honorary PhD in women empowerment and leadership. And I was like, God, if I can only change that title. (laughs) But I'm I'm thankful. I'm thankful I have it. You know, uh, it just it just shows that people believe that I'm there for a purpose. I'm just online using my voice to explain my purpose. I'm not here to empower. I'm here to inspire. I'm here to show you. You can do anything you want if you put your mind into it. That's as simple as it is for the explanation.
0: I love that. And actually, I was going to talk to you about purpose next. So I'm really glad you brought up purpose because I feel like you are someone who's definitely got your purpose figured out in your own self. And do you have a belief that your purpose is linked to any of the businesses you've done or that it's something outside of the businesses?
1: I believe, um, no, my purpose has nothing to do with the businesses I do. Um... Definitely, I am a person that thrives to be successful, and uh, uh, money is not a bad thing. We should all love money, and that's how we attract it. But money is a, a necessity, not a priority. That means I need it, but I'm not gonna step over my ethics and my family and my loved ones and friends just to make money. It's, it's not a priority, it's a necessity. So um, I, three years ago, uh, went on a self, self-discovery journey, actually almost four years ago. and. To me, it didn't make sense because first you think success is money until you make it. Then you realize, oh my God, I, I don't feel successful. There's something missing. And then you start asking yourself these questions. Okay, why am I existing? If I'm existing just to be successful and to make money, how come none of that goes to the grave with me? Like, <laughs> what, what, why, why am I here? What's my purpose? What, what's my message? I believe every single person has a message and they have to fulfill and they will never realize what that message is uh, until they um, uh, get clarity internally. So I, will, I asked myself so many questions. And then I slowly started uh, seeing myself uh, sitting alone and thinking, which is uh, aka known as meditation as well. Meditation is not just about humming words and crossing your legs and all that. It's also about uh, being alone and deeply reaching into your soul and trying to find answers for a lot of like questions that are, you know, spiritually, there that that uh, questions that you know that that um, that annoy me because I don't know the answers to. I know, I know, I know the answers to everything you're going to ask me, but that question I didn't have an answer to. And then I went on the self-discovery journey. Of course, to, to go on this journey, I've lost people, I've lost friends. I always say I went on a on a on a life diet where I got rid of all the bad people in my life and I only had the healthy ones. So I went on a people's diet. Um, I uh, preserved my energy. I did not mix with people who have negative energy. I had somehow uh, the freedom to think clearly. And then I kept on doing and practicing and practicing. I traveled alone uh, for, I remember I went to London uh, for like a week and I locked myself in an apartment and I just wanted to think, no TV, nothing. And I just wanted to be alone because we are so scared of being alone. But I was alone, I did nothing but grocery shopping and sat there. And, oh, my God, and then I found out what my calling in life is. And uh, to some people, it might be funny, but to me, this is what fulfills my soul. And um, I have stood on so many international stages talking about it, and people, some were amazed. Some were like, oh, whatever, just, you know, just go make some money, and that's what what life is about. What are you talking about? (laughs) So my calling in life, yeah, I've had that so many times. So my calling in life is I believe that – I was created um, to serve people. I was created to go through experiences in life and to teach people from them. I was created to endure pain and teach people about the feeling that that I went through. So I believe I am here to uplift people and I'm here to teach, nurture. And I I, I know it's my calling and I've I've practiced the law of attraction and I've realized that through that, you know, it's, it's a long topic, but I'll cut it short for you. I realized that true. I had a signs. I had signs all over that showed me that this was my calling in life. And for some reason, I would always bump into like the most negative people, the most people who have like the most issues in their lives. And God will throw them my way, and uh, or like for some people, you know, the universe. But God threw them my way, and I was like, okay, so I don't get it. I'm I'm a positive person. I practice law of attraction. I've attracted so many things in my life, and I've have it written. I, I'm writing a book about it. So I've proved it all in my book and I, I've, I've gotten everything I've asked for, but why are these people uh, coming to me? If I'm vibrating high, why am I attracting people that are vibrating low? And then I realized my journey with these people's shorts. short. They come in, we interact for a while, they leave, but they leave a better version than the version I've met them. So then I've realized, okay, that's my calling life. People come to me sometimes and I'm there to just help them nurture them with my knowledge with my experience with my words um, I, I i I know God gave me a gift on dyslexic, but um, dyslexic people uh, are hard to uh, it's hard for them to be public speakers because they can't read they can't prepare for these things they're more of a visual kind of person and very photogenic memory they have but I mastered public speaking i've done over one hundred and ninety two speeches all over the world in two years so I realized that uh, God gave me a voice, although I have a weakness, which is dyslexia, because I have to use it in the right way. And it's not just to go on social media and make money and become famous and all that. I, I die. I do, I'd rather die than have that written on my grave one day. You know what I mean? <laughs> so so then I realized that's my calling in life. So I started welcoming all these people that come my way out of nowhere with a negative, let's say... Um, idea or a negative belief or a bad uh, a bad place they were in and our interaction is short and the thing they disappear from my life but i've left them better than the way i found them and it makes me happy it fulfills my soul the only thing out of everything i do as a business that makes me feel the closest to my purpose is public speaking 100% i feel like i feel like this is this is my my this is what, what makes my soul happy I leave like I'm fulfilled beyond belief. My energy is fired up. My soul is in a happy place. I am in a happy place. And I feel like I've accomplished something. I've used my voice. Even if it was for changing one person's life, then I'm successful. I'm happy.
0: Yeah. I love that. And I think it's such an important thing to remind people of because a lot of people get confused about, well, I don't have a purpose because my job is this and I'm not doing that. And they connect their work so much to thinking that should be their purpose. But it's so much deeper and more unique to you than anything that you can sort of work through. It can be part of your purpose, your work for sure. But usually it's something that's so, like you say, inspiring. You want to inspire people and nurture them. That's a purpose in itself. And I just, I love that so much. So what inspires you and nurtures you if you're doing this for so many people?
1: What inspires me?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, To be honest, I have trained myself for the past year um, to be my own source of inspiration and to be my own source of motivation. Because um, what people do a lot is they link their motivation and inspiration to either a location, a place, a person, or an individual. And what happens when that individual is gone? And what happens when you're not in that place or that location and all that? So I I told myself, I was like, why am I uh, putting, uh, and you know that motivation and inspiration moves the world. If you're not, if you don't have these two ingredients, you do nothing, you know, you can't get anywhere. So I was like, why am I uh, basing the core of what I do in life to people, things and places? Why don't I think of a way to motivate and inspire myself? And then I, I thought to myself, I was like, okay, I've been bankrupt, I was broke, beyond broke at a certain time in my life, I lost everything. Then I gained it all, then I lost again, and I lost people and all that. The only person that was by my side and never left me was me. And the only person that will always be there for me is me. So self-love is not a sin, it's not narcissist to love yourself, you're not a narcissist. It's, It's beautiful, and once you know the value of you, you realize that, my God, I can inspire and motivate myself in so many ways, and a person who seeks uh, motivation and inspiration can find it in everything. If from the inside they are positive and they know how to evaluate things and they know their value, anything can motivate them. A, a food dish can motivate me, you know what I mean? So it's it's all an internal job. Um, I even started when people ask me, who's your role model? I say, me, and then they go, oh, look at her. She loves herself. No. <laughs> being, being a narcissist is loving you. But being, uh, uh, but self-love is about loving you and others. So, Because when you love yourself, you reflect on others. You're happy. You're, you're happy with others. It all shows. It's a chain reaction. So I started saying, I have my own motivation. You should hear my story and I am my own role model. I can't believe I actually survived through all of this and I'm still standing here willing to take any risk, willing to fail again and I'm never going to step back and I've got my own back. So I, I, I love it and people should start loving themselves more and appreciating themselves and appreciating how hard the journey is and who stood by your side. It was you. You never walked away.
0: Yeah I love that and it's 100% true and I think it's also it's a really important thing for people to remember now because part of the problem with everyone in lockdown is like you say people are scared to be in their own company because they've spent so long having all the distractions around them from the outside world so when they're forced to actually sit with themselves a lot of people haven't done this for years if ever and what they see might not be what they want but certainty is I really believe is found within like what you were saying it's not found without which is why everyone's feeling so uncertain now because everything around us is outside has been crumbling around but if you don't have certainty within then people are really going to struggle so I love that you say that that your inspiration comes from yourself I think it's such an important message for people. So, moving on to a topic I've been wanting to talk to you about for ages, spirituality. What does spirituality personally mean to you? Because it means something different to everyone, which is why I love it. So, what does spirituality mean to you?
1: Spirituality is um, like based on my own, uh, my own thinking, my own belief and all that, is basically how uh, the bridge between you and your soul and, and your creative, basically, that's spirituality. And it's not in how you practice it. It's not in, in, it's beyond practice. It's a connection that is built internally that bonds the three, the creator, your soul, and you. That, that's that's me what spirituality is, you know? And th- this is, and I always, uh, like my, my question always to myself is like, okay, am I a body with a soul or a soul with a body, you know? Um, what's, what, who am I? Am I this body or am I what's in this body that's unseen, that doesn't have like, uh, uh, that you, you can't even touch, you can't even see. And if there is something that exists inside of me, which, I, which of course is my soul, how do I connect to it? How do I speak to it? Because I, I do believe we go in wars between ourselves internally of should I do this, should I not? You have this conversation with yourself always. And I will always ask myself, Am I speaking to myself or am I speaking to my soul? Like what's happening? And all these questions is what made me like turn into spirituality and to practicing spirituality and thinking about it and taking it to the next level and believing that it's not just a practice that we've been taught uh, in the books, in religion, and all that in our culture. It's something beyond, it's a connection beyond that. It's, I'll, I'll explain to you like in a small example, just so people will understand it. because a lot of people still get confused when I explain it. So, uh, a person who's religious, okay, um, might do something wrong when he's alone or she's alone, but in front of people, they won't because people know they're religious, right? Um, But that's a religious person. A spiritual person would never do something wrong on their own or in front of people because they know that there is a higher power, there is God, there is, how will my soul, how will... I feel about doing something wrong between me and myself. That's a spiritual person. A person that is so connected that doesn't need to do anything wrong even when he's not seen because he knows somehow he's seen. You get my point? Yeah. And that's that's a huge difference. A person whose religious practices and a person who's religious and spiritual goes beyond practice, beyond practice. And it's not um, something reflected in the way you look. It's not reflected in the way you dress. It's not reflected in the way you act. It's something internally, spirituality is internally. It's no one's, no one's uh, business. Uh, it's for no one to judge, no one to interfere with. It's your bridge and your connection between your soul and your creator, basically. That's how I see it. And um, I always tell people, uh, you know, when you do something wrong uh, and no one sees, forget what people would think when they find out, right? How do you feel about it between you and yourself? Aren't you ashamed? Like I care about what I think of me more than what I care about what what people think of me. How would I feel if I was doing wrong things, hurting people or doing something behind closed doors? Like I should be ashamed. There is not one person in the room right now. There's two, there is you, And there's a soul and there's a God. Like, how do you aren't you ashamed from from doing something wrong behind closed doors? So that's the complete difference between a person who's spiritual, connected at all times, um, without the disturbance in the connection, and then between a person who's not spiritual and just practices and sometimes people mistakes, sometimes cannot, and all that. So that's that's my like most simple form of explanation when it comes to that term. And I hope it makes sense.
0: Yeah, I love that explanation. I think it's um it's really true in terms of when you talk about that with the uh, how people sort of give off that almost response to religion and spirituality. So like if you're in your ego, it's such a, a human response to judge other people's version of it. Because if yeah. you if you if you were connected spiritually, you wouldn't be judging others' versions of it. You just say that's theirs. That's their own relationship with spirit. So as it should be, which is what's so so funny about the whole whole thing. But I think um, in terms of yeah, spirituality, do you find that how has spirituality affected your success do you believe it has like how's that for you
1: oh my god tremendously and not only that when you are spiritually awake and when you're clear and you know your calling in life and you know your purpose everything changes and then your understanding of how you live life changes like for example um like your your when it comes to karma because a lot of people think that oh karma is something that comes back and bites you when you do something wrong, like cheating or stealing or killing. But when you're spiritually connected, you understand that karma is a sequence of events that happen every day. So let's say if I dropped juice on the floor and I left it and I walked away and someone got their clothes dirty, later on throughout the day when I'm writing, the pen will explode and get my shirt dirty. So karma happens in patterns throughout the whole day. It's in small and big sizes. It comes in in big things and small things. The minute you start thinking like that, you will watch out and you will act upon everything you do. Like for example, if I am, uh, let's say walking in the street and I'm, I I have a paper and I toss it to the garbage and I miss. In my mind, what I've been trained to think is someone has a job to clean it. They'll come and clean it. They pay the salary for it and it'll be fine. I'll, I'll just leave. But if you are a person who cares and is spiritually awakened and is connected and, and understands the deeper meaning of life, you will pick it up because in your mind you'll understand that that person who has a job to pick that up has a salary equivalent to one meal that I have per day and their life is hard, I should not add more to their hardship. So your your mentality shifts to becoming more sympathetic, more empathy, more kind, more loving. Like even before, like now when, when I sit with a bunch of girls, sometimes they gossip, I leave because i feel like oh my god I'm, i i can't you know I, I before i would have done it but after that transformation i can't i because what if like she actually isn't whatever they're saying she is what if they're making it up why am i joining something that i don't believe in or do I understand so it just um, takes you from here to up here. You become uh, uh, your soul becomes more classy. You become a more classy person, and the way you think, the way you interact with others, the way you act, it has changed everything. The way I interact with my customers, the way I do business, the way I do finance. Like I would never uh, cheat someone when it comes to prices. Uh, Sometimes I, I remember once uh, I I, uh, I bought something and. Um, the guy delivered extra things than, I, than what I paid for. And my friend was like, you know, just keep it. You know, they'll get screwed at work. It's their problem. Just keep it. You know, whatever. Enjoy it. It's yours. It, it was meant to come your way. God sent it your way. <laughs> and and, and in, in, my, in my mind, I was like, no, that's, that's not right. But then they're comfortable with the way they think, right? And they think it's right. They, have a, they justified it. But I actually called the store and and I spoke to the guy and he's like, oh my God, thank God you called because my boss deducted my salary. And he told me if I don't find out what happened to the product, uh, I'll be fired. Uh, And he's like, I forgot who I gave it to. I deliver like thousands of stuff every day. Like, I don't know. Thank you so much. So if I did what my friend thought I should do, which seemed right to my friend, which has completely makes sense to them, which can also be okay, um, I would have that person would have lost their life, lost their job, lost everything. I would have contributed to that. But then when you think of the right thing to do because you're spiritually awakened, you're not influenced by anything around you and you know what's right and wrong, you always do what's right. It's automatically in you. It's embedded in your personality. And it's not just a hobby that you practice every now and then. Okay, today I'm in a good mood. I'm going to be good. Oh, today I had a good day. I'm going to be good. No, it becomes... 100% embedded in who you are, and you practice it in every single small detail in your life. And you slowly go from here to up here, and you feel like you've are like you upgraded your soul, basically. You've upgraded your, your personality. So I'm a strong believer in this. It just, it completely changed you. I can never fool people when it comes to money. I cannot sleep if I owe someone money. I cannot, uh, uh, before doing anything or saying anything, I ask myself three questions. Is it good? Does it change anything? Is it right? Like I ask myself what what I do and say, how is it affecting other people's lives? What is it doing? And if it's useless, I don't do it. I don't talk useless information. I don't do useless actions. I don't, I will never uh, participate in something that uh, doesn't define my ethics and my soul and personality. And trust me, I was not like that four years ago. I became like that after being spiritually awakened back then I was a normal person that would have thought the same thing my friend would have thought oh god sent it my way which makes sense right then why did it come to me it's because you are being tested <laughs> you're not being gifted right now <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love that for you um spiritual awakening can often come from hardships I mean I know mine has been my awakenings have definitely been from losing people I love you know when I lost my sister and my dad and stuff and different things and that's your greatest teachings, really, when you really end up connecting to something can come from great hardships. How was, how was your journey with that? Was it out of love or out of pain?
1: Out of pain. Um, the more pain I endured in my life, um, I went through so much, so much in my life. Um, from a relationship perspective, from a business perspective, I went through, through hell and back. But I love it. It shaped me and it mended me. And the more I was hurt, the more I realized that the world needs more love, more kindness. And the reason this is happening is because there's a lack of that. Because I'll, I'll, I'll lay it down for you in this way. If I went through a bad relationship, I'll give you an example uh, for the sake of argument. So if I went through a bad relationship and let's say I was cheated on. If I came out of this relationship bitter, angry, uh, if I came up, uh, more stubborn or saying, I will never trust anybody. I will never love anybody. I'm never gonna give my all to someone after being backstabbed. I will never, 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 never. You have actually lost because that person took away the most valuable thing in you, which is you. They took away the most valuable traits you have and they made you another version of them. The reason you were hurt is because this person did not show love, was not kind, was aggressive, was selfish, and now you became someone like them. So guess what? Yeah, you've been heartbroken, but I mean, you'll get over it eventually, you'll move on, and it takes time You heal, Uh, might leave a scar, but it's okay, you you live, you know? It's not oxygen or water. But in the end, um, if they rob you from you, from your own personality, that means they won. That person took everything away from you and you actually lost the battle. So I, every time I was hurt or let down or broken by a situation, a person or uh, let's say uh, a business or a venture or anything, I always looked back and I said, you know what? I'm going to be more loving. I'm going to be more kind. I believe that maybe uh, by having this positive attitude, I would impact people to change and be more positive. And um if it end, if i end up being hurt again because of that i'd rather be vulnerable than be uh, a person who's aggressive and mean and all that and i believe in vulnerability comes so much beauty you know there's so much beauty in that so yeah i mean it it came from it came from hardship and uh, i love everything and if you could give me a magic stick right now that can take me back in time and make me undo things in my life i would never change a bit of it because one single change would not make me sitting right here in front of you talking to you. I would have taken a different path. And I'm thankful, I'm happy. And um, yeah, and the lesson was definitely positive. And yeah. I know it's hard for a lot of people to come out positive, but it's a mindset. I swear to God. It's how you train your brain to accept things and to look at things. And I always say, if you can't change a situation, change the way you look at it. That's it. And life becomes so simple, so easy.
0: Yeah, that was one of my favorite sayings from... Um, okay. Dr. Wayne Dyer, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Yeah. It's just exactly. think, everything to go by, it really is. I mean, it's like we of saying saying. I believe that in terms of um, people can find it very hard to see past the pain of the situation and, and try to change into that mindset. And someone asked me the other day, they were like, well, you know, do you not wish, obviously, like your sister and your dad were still here? And I was like, do I wish they were here every single day? But do I know that some of the good things I now am are because they are not here? Yes. So it's kind of, it's that tricky, it's part of the journey and everyone has these extreme extreme things thrown at them in life. But if you can find a way to make them work for you and to bring out the best in you in the end, then you you win, don't you? And everything's for something.
1: No, I I love you said that because I believe that um, also part of being spiritually awakened is that um, you understand that whatever happens to you in life is not to hurt you. Um, God doesn't hate anybody. Everything is done to mend you and bend you. And it's known and it's written that you can survive whatever comes your way. And you're strong enough to endure it. So when you believe in this, you take nothing personal. Anything that happens personal. And you know that once the door shuts, there's a window. It might not open today, not tomorrow, but it will open soon. Everything makes sense sense eventually. Um, after you go through hardship, you realize, oh my God, this happened. I lost my job because... This other job came a month later. If I had my job, I would have been traveling and I wouldn't have seen that job come. So everything is a chain reaction. Everything happens for a reason. But to talk about death as well, when you're spiritually awake, you understand that death is not life interrupted, it's life complete. And the minute you understand that, you even love the journey of death because it's part of living. And that person has served their purpose, they've done what they have to do, and it's, it's, it's time for them to leave. And you know, and you wish and you hope they're in a better place. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, even the way I looked at death completely changed. And I, I come from, my religion is Islam, and I've always didn't understand why in, in the Quran it says that uh, when someone dies, you can cry and, like, Mourn and and like pull your hair out, do whatever you want for three days only. After that, you have to stop. You're not allowed to do it. I never understood. But then I realized that, oh my God, um, it makes sense. Because the more we are like lingering or holding on to the thought of someone being here and hoping and wishing they're here, their energy gets stuck here. And, and you know what I mean, they're, 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 in, they're, they're not at ease because you are like, a law of attraction, You're, their energy is stuck here. You have to release the person, you have to let it go and death is just a process. And in my religion, now I understand because cry for three days, do whatever you want, but after that, you need to understand that this is a process of life and that death is not life interrupted, it's life complete. And if that person was alive, it might not have been for their own good favor or it was not meant for them to be, so they might endure hardship in life, they might uh, destroy opportunities for others, they might destroy opportunities for themselves, but this was a complete journey from day one, written in the books, you know what I mean? So it just, it made sense because I used to cry for like months and months and cry and hope, And but then I i, I, I asked myself, why does it say three days? I don't get it, well, what, I'm human, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a person with a soul, with a brain, I have emotions, And why am I supposed to only cry for three days? Well, then it makes sense. They have, they have, they're they're gone to a better place. It's as simple as that.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that um, phrase you just used. It's not life interrupted. It's life complete. It's uh, such a nice, such a nice way of putting it. Um, Sarah, it's been so amazing talking to you. But to finish, I love to ask you just two things. I love asking people at the end. What is um, one book? that's changed your life more than anything and also what is one attention you like to live by that keeps you motivated
1: a book so just like to lay it down low i it's very hard for me to read for a long time so and even like when you're dyslexic your attention span you it's interrupted um so but i'll tell you a book that really 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 like um like opened my eyes to so many things. Oh my god, I can't even remember, remember the name. This, this is what happens when you're dyslexic. <laughs> you remember <laughs> pictures of the books, images, and not names. But uh, it was, I think it was called um, the, something, the power of your subconscious mind, something like that, probably. It was a blue book, I think. Something like that. It basically teaches you how to be spiritually awakened and to understand that. Is it the um, power of
0: now? Eckhart I I Tolle.
1: I don't know. Yeah.
0: He's wonderful. He was. He wrote a book like that called "The Power of Now" about. Um, it was blue, which is what I just said when you said. I,
1: then I, th- I think it is, it is that. It's yeah. a blue color. Yeah, 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 it is that. So th- that book really opened up my eyes. But i um, i to be honest, um, I advise everyone to to research, and I do a lot of research about these things. I read a lot of uh, uh, people's ideas about it, and that's how you grow. Your mind grows, you know, and. Thank God Google is there. It just has so much information there. But uh, if we are talking about the same book, it's a blue colored book and it talks about the power of your subconscious mind and how you can control situations and things in life and how your brain is a tool, then that is the right book. But um, what was the second question you asked me?
0: And what's one intention or mantra or you know statement that you like to live by that keeps you on track?
1: Um, I, my, my favorite mantra is basically what you're looking for is looking for you. I so that. If you, yeah, if you put your mind and you set it, uh, you will get it. And just like magnets, if you are set in the right direction towards what you want, and you're not distracted by negativity or distracted by uh, emotions that are unnecessary, you redirect yourself towards that thing and you will attract it. So it's it's just it's just physics, you know. If people don't want to believe in it from a spiritual perspective, it's physics. But uh, also, what I my, my, my one thing in life, when people ask me, Sarah, what do you want from life? Uh, I never want to be forgotten. And that's why whenever I do anything, whether it's small or big, and I accept to do something, I do it 100% from my heart and soul. And that's how people never forget you. When you, you dedicate your heart and soul 100% towards doing things, people will never forget you. I just don't want to be forgotten. And um that's that's what I thrive I live for. And that's why my self-branding um is 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 done in a certain way that if you ask people about me, they always have something good to say. And even if I do something bad and you tell them they will not believe you because the branding has been done in such a good way and <laughs> practice. <that. laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, it's it's just it's just that, you know, it's nothing else. Um And when I'm gone, I just want to be remembered. that's it, for the good things I've done.
0: Yeah, I love that, leaving the world a better place. Well, You certainly seem to do that and are all sort of heart and soul, so thank you so much for taking the time Mm -hmm. to come on the podcast today. It's been so wonderful having you.
1: It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, and you're such an amazing soul, sweetheart.
0: Well, thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in to the Lawali Life podcast today. I really hope you enjoyed this episode with the incredible Dr. Sara Almadani and soaked up all her wisdom, amazing insights and incredible perspective. If you are enjoying the episodes, then please click download and subscribe so I can continue to bring you more incredible guests like her from around the world and help you through your own stresses and losses and keep you motivated and inspired. Stay tuned.